Today we have a special guest on the podcast, Lex Roman. She empowers early stage solopreneurs to find clients without paying Google and Instagram games, which we all don't want to have to do. She's a former Silicon Valley growth designer turned small business growth marketer. Lex has been crafting winning conversation strategies for companies like Nissan, Macy's, Gusto, and the Black Tux since 2010. She has tons of experience. And now she's on a mission to help solopreneurs get seen and get sales without being beholden to big tech. With her company, Super Easy Digital, Lex supports entrepreneurs with one-to-one services and group programs. She's passionate about helping small business owners throw out the traditional marketing playbook and play by their own rules. I am so excited to have her here. She's a dear friend and I have worked with her personally, love her to death. So I'm so excited for you guys to get to know her a little bit better. And our topic that we are gonna be talking about is how to get started with marketing. Hello, and welcome to Starting a Business Simplified. I'm Susie Raines, your host, and I look forward to helping you simplify starting a new business. Hi, Lex. How are you? Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Susie. Oh, it's great to have you. And um, for my listeners, just so you know, Lex and I, we have history. We've worked together I love her. She's amazing. Um, and as you heard from the intro, she's marketing. So today's going to be all about marketing. How exciting. I love you uh, back. Thank, thank you so much for, <laughs> for what you're doing for small business owners. So before we dive into talking about marketing, let's, um, I just, I want to share with our listeners kind of who you are, where you came from, what brought you to working with small businesses? I know you work with solopreneurs specifically and um and have a big background with large companies as well so what what brought you to work with small businesses yeah so my background um, is actually in tech as you heard so i worked for many years with startups all the way up to enterprise companies i worked with companies at all stages of growth from pre-launch to enterprise mode and growth mode and all of that but I kept hearing from friends and from people that I would meet that they were really hitting their head against the wall with how to break through on the internet, right? They were like, I don't know how to start an email list and I can't get my message out there. I'm really frustrated by these big tech companies like Google and Amazon and Facebook that I feel like (laughs) are gatekeeping the internet from us. And so I really wanted to shift my focus and help sort of bring some of the tech skills that I had cultivated to a small business audience. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think all of it, at least for those of you listening who have struggled, we feel tiny, teeny tiny next to the big guys. We don't have, you know, million dollar marketing budgets and we don't have a staff of, you know, hundreds to thousands of people working on our messaging. (laughs) by itself. So yeah, yeah, that, that is, that is awesome. And I know that that's kind of brought, what brought us together too, is I was a solopreneur looking for, Hey, how do people hear me in this tiny little voice in this big, huge ocean of noise? Um, so you yourself are a business owner. What was the transition like for you coming from that, the tech background and the bigger businesses into becoming your own small business? 
It was incredibly hard. As I know you've covered on the podcast, like the roller coaster ride of entrepreneurship. So I actually started my first business in 2019. And that business was still focused on the tech audience, but I went off on my own. So rather than working in-house or for an agency, I worked as a solo consultant and I also cultivated my own membership and did a lot of teaching and paid speaking, but that was still for a tech audience. And so my existing network and my existing connections really helped me there. And I had no problem getting clients. And I was like, look at me, I'm just like sailing into entrepreneurship, no problem, right? <laughs> then I decided to pivot into small business owners and particularly micro businesses. And I ran into a brick wall. As I said before, I was just stunned. I was like, wait, wait a minute. I've been launching and growing companies for a decade. What's going on here? Why can't I find my people? Right. And a couple of things were going on. One is that I was completely wrong about my audience. I was really looking at brick and mortar businesses at the time that I launched super easy. I was also completely wrong about where to find them. So the interesting thing about brick and mortar businesses is that my hypothesis at that time was that they weren't online, or I should say my assumption was that they weren't really online and that I was going to help them grow online and sort of bridge that gap for them coming out of the pandemic where I figured they were sold on being online and growing online, but didn't necessarily know how to. And I learned that I was wrong, that they were not interested in growing online. <laughs> and I was wrong about how to reach them and how to, how to work with them. And so I decided to make a pivot into working with more online business owners. So now I work more with consultants and creatives, people who are still not necessarily like tech focused, but they don't have storefronts. So they are growing their business online. Yeah, and I love how you said you were wrong because that's really hard to say as a business owner. And for my listeners, you guys starting out, um, I just want you to know, um, between Lex and I, we probably have over 40 years of experience in business in general, working in companies and small business stuff. And we're wrong. <laughs> because I think as a small business owner, that's what we 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 think we're, we need to have everything right, right out of the gate. Like we need to start and have all the right answers and have everything be the way it should be. I know exactly what I'm selling. I know exactly who I'm selling to. I know exactly what I'm going to do. And I love that you are vulnerable and honest and like, yeah, it didn't work. <laughs> it yeah. wasn't, wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Totally. I feel like that's the that. only, the only guarantee I can make you is that you'll be wrong about something when you launch your business. Right. And it, the irony of my journey with this is that I had been teaching that to founders for many years. Right. So I was early to the lean startup methodology. And I was brought into companies to teach them how to test and track their efforts against those same things, right? What are your risky assumptions in business? How do we validate that you're right or wrong about them so we can move forward in a way that's going to actually be profitable for your business? But when it came to doing it for myself, it was much harder than I thought it yeah. would be. And I think part of that, and I'm I'm going to speak to this from my own personal experience, is we have a smaller budget. You know, and with big companies, they're like, eh, if it didn't work, that's okay. What's a couple of thousand dollars? But for a small business owner, we're like very, we have to be kind of more specific with what we're trying and what we're doing and on a smaller scale. And I know we're going to talk about this. Um, this is actually a good segue into it is um, two questions, 
The first one being, where do you start with marketing? Since we aren't a big company with a huge budget where we can go hire a whole staff and say, hey, figure this out. So what as a solopreneur, single entrepreneur person out here that sits down and says, I want to do a business. How do I market that? Yeah. Learn from my mistakes. So um, one thing I would just say on that same note, Susie, is that I feel like part of the mistake that we make is we look at bigger companies and the advice coming from people at those companies. And especially when those people are like working on Instagram or they're working at Google and we, we look to them for that advice. And to your point, they're assuming sort of limitless resources or at least big resources. So you have to, not only are you looking for the place where your audience is showing up or where you can find them, you're also looking for something that's going to be sustainable for you as a solo business owner or for your team, if there's, you know, more than one of you. So yeah. what can you actually sustain? What do you like doing, right? You're doing a podcast because you like the format of the podcast, right? If you didn't, you wouldn't be doing a podcast. <laughs> so, you know, someone who's out there, like, I wonder if I should start a podcast. It's not just, is your audience going to be reachable with a podcast, but also, am I going to want to run a podcast? Yeah. That's a good being point. Aware of that. Yeah. Being aware of that, your own energy, not just where your audience is, I think is so crucial. Okay. When it comes to where to get started with marketing, the first thing to do, and this, I'm going to tell you this and you're not going to listen to me and that's okay. But the first thing I'm going to tell you to do is to deeply understand your audience and the offer you're making them. And this is something that none of us do, right? So I'm telling you this, you're not going to do it. I didn't do it, right? Like no one wants to do this. Everyone thinks they know who their audience is and what the offer is for them. That's like perfect for them. We're all wrong about this. And, you know, the more that you do the deep thinking on who these people are, what are their daily behaviors? What motivates them? What makes them in pain, right? Why would they hire you? How are they feeling when they're at that moment where they're ready to buy a solution to their problem? The deeper you go with that, the better off you are. But like I said, you're not going to go that deep until you're wrong about it. And then you'll be like, I need to return to that point, right? That's where I would start. So thinking through your audience and your offer match, I like to call it, I would start there. Once you have clarity on what those things are, right? Who that audience is and what you're offering them. I would go to what I call intentional networking, developing an intentional networking strategy. A lot of times people will turn to broadcast channels first, right? They'll blast out some posts on social media. They'll put up a website. None of this is going to get you leads unless you already have a huge audience from another venture that you've done. None of that's going to work quickly. So the thing that people are always you know, saying to me is my primary sources, word of mouth, right? So lean into that early on and think about who in your existing network knows your buyer or is your buyer. Those two things, do they know your buyer or are they your buyer? And the word buyer is really important because it's not just a target audience. We're looking for people in buy mode, right? They're, they know they have the problem you're solving. They're ready to pay for a solution. This was the big problem that I had, right? I was trying to sell to people who I thought were my target audience, but they didn't realize they had a problem and they were not looking for a solution. I've ran into that too. I think uh, 
people listening right now are probably like, oh yeah, I'm there too. <laughs> that's, that's like two. And when you and I started working together and you identified that for me, you were like, okay, you know, when you, for example, I have a workbook that I sell and I sell it on Amazon. You're like, the people on Amazon are buyers. They're clicking, they're searching, they're like, their credit card's already saved in there. They're just going to hit click now. And those are buyers. But to just broadcast out to the world, hey, this is who I am and what I do, that's not necessarily a buyer. So I love yeah. that you clarified that because that that was huge for me. That was like a huge eye opener for me. Yeah. And that's part of the reason why those broadcast channels, you know, a YouTube channel, a social media channel of some kind, your website, that's why they take so long to pay off because what you're really doing there is you're hitting research mode folks a lot of times, right? They're looking sort of around the topic that you're speaking about. They want a blog post. They want to watch a video. They're not necessarily looking to pay for a solution to a problem. Yeah, so exactly. the intentional networking strategy, hands down, that's going to pay off the most for you. I like to say network from the inside out, starting with people that you know the best. I like that. What are some um, recommendations that you have for people that are like, um, so I know somebody that does direct marketing and like all they do is hit up their friends and family and it's so spammy and gross. What do you say to that as far as to just start networking? Like what, what recommendations do you have? Cause I'm sure you've heard that before. <laughs> yeah. Are they selling Girl Scout cookies? Why are they spamming their friends and family? <laughs> no. Do you want to try my new skincare line? Yeah. Like, okay. I, don't, I mean, this advice does not apply to MLMs. That's I've never had experience with an MLM. <laughs> I got a message from someone the other day about their MLM and I was like, oh, no. Okay. So when I say intentional networking, what you want to do, this is one of the big mistakes people make with networking is they try to meet and talk to as many people as possible. And that's, that's really a waste of your time because the value in networking is about maintaining relationships. Like if you meet someone at a party, unless they're a lead right now, like they're like, yes, I've been looking to replace my roof. And you do roofing, so we're a perfect fit. That relationship is gone unless you plan to maintain it, right? So rather than focus on like meeting as many people as possible or spamming your entire friends and family network, what I would do is take a look at people that you interact with on a daily basis, or let's say over the past month, look through your text messages, look through your email, look at LinkedIn, look at your DMs if you're using social media. Think about if any of these people are your buyer or if they know your buyer. So you're starting with people that you already have a real authentic relationship with. If your uncle knows your buyer, then absolutely you should be emailing him once a month to check in about getting access to your buyers, right? Asking for those introductions to your buyers, because hopefully you have a real authentic relationship with your uncle. Now, if you don't, don't hand up your uncle, right? At that moment, you want to be looking at who are my closest connections who could offer me an introduction to my buyers. And then I like you want to how, out from there. Sorry, go sorry, ahead. I didn't mean, no, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but you, you, you made a good point there in saying it's an authentic connection. And I think that's where people fall short. They don't yeah. have an authentic connection and then they feel weird because they're like, Hey, uncle Joe, can you introduce me to, to your five friends? Cause I know they want to buy my thing but they haven't talked to uncle Joe in six years. Yeah. And they don't even say, hi, how are you doing? They're just yeah. like, they're just like, Hey, can you sell, you know, can you introduce me? And I think 
I think that if you take that piece out and you say, hey, if you talk to Uncle Joe every Friday, when you say, hey, Uncle Joe, can you introduce me to your five friends? He's like, yeah, let me yeah. do that for you. I'd love to help you. Because exactly. it's an authentic conversation. Yeah, totally. The authentic relationship piece is so crucial, but I, I'm willing to bet that there are at least five people in your network, you guys being the listeners in your network right now, there are at least five people who you've worked with in the past, who you've talked to recently, who are maybe in your distant friends and family network who know your buyers and could make an introduction to you. And because they know, like, and trust you, they pass that on to the introduction. And that's going to be way more valuable for you than sort of like broadcasting and trying to hit strangers because strangers take, they take time to warm up. They're not just like, yes, I have a credit card and I will give it to you person on Instagram with two followers. Right. <laughs> but they will listen to, you know, your friend Lorna, who you went to business school with, who's saying Susie is the person I trust for this service, right? They're going to listen to that. That's like a sale that's almost fully closed for you. So I always want people to exhaust their network. The other thing about networking within people that you already know and have a relationship with is making sure that they know what you're doing. So when those conversations come up and someone's like, oh, I'm looking for someone to do the SEO for my website, to be my financial planner. They know that you do that and they have the language to make that connection. Yeah, that's one that I think a lot of people don't think about either. They don't think about just letting people know what they do. It's kind of like, and I don't know if COVID did this because we kind of went home and we weren't socializing as much, but it used to be that when you talk to people, oh, what do you do? Like that was a, a question. And I feel like maybe we've gotten away from it a little bit because of so, maybe social media, because it's like, it's on our name somewhere or people see it and we assume that they're like, oh, they're reading that. They're not. <laughs> they, they're they're not. I mean, that's the funny thing. So the funny thing about like the family network specifically is that I think we often just write off people that we have close relationships with. But like, if you go to a family reunion this year and your family members have no idea what you do, like that's a real warning sign that you're not clear enough about what you do and that you're not putting it out there. Like every member of your family should know what you do and be able to tell a stranger about it. And if they can't, like you need to come up with a one-liner and you need to work on it at the family reunion. <laughs> that's actually, I think that's a great tip. Like everybody listening right now, I want you to list out your family members and I want you to put a check mark next to it. If you confidently know that they can tell you what you do. And if not, then let them know somehow, some way. Yeah. That's yeah. like a to-do. You could do that when you get done with the, when you're done listening to the podcast. Yeah. I think that's and a you great may, You may start. be thinking, you know, my family, whatever. Okay, fine. How about past colleagues, right? It's likely that what you're doing as a business is related to one of your past jobs. What about those people? Like, did you have a great relationship with some of them? Should you reconnect with them? Could they possibly know people who they could send your way? So thinking about these connections in your network and, you know, reigniting them, investing in them, that's a fantastic use of your time because you already have a relationship there, even if it's a dormant one. Yeah. And I love coming up with the common thread. Like you said, past colleagues, you immediately have a, a common thread because you worked together. So even if that's the first place that you start, hey, how are you doing since, you know, I, since I left, this is what I'm up to. What are you up to? You know, and being curious about what's going on in their lives as well. 
because again, we're on, we're not just on the, Hey, I'm going to tell you what I do, but learning what other people do and creating that authentic connection so that we can also support them. I think that gets lost too. It's kind of like, you know what? I know Lex and I know exactly what she does. And if I'm having a conversation with my sister who says that her friend needs somebody that works in marketing, then I can be like, Oh, you know what? Let me introduce you to Lex. It's like a two way street. And it's not just business. This is just like, this is just learning about people, which I find really exciting. That's why I started having so many guests on my podcast because I'm so curious and I just love learning what people are doing and authentically figuring and what do you do and how do you do it? And it's just an interesting. So curiosity, I think is a big one too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I read this book recently called Reach Out by Molly Beck. Have you read that, Susie? Mm-mm. No, I haven't. I'm going to write really it down fun. She talks about the strategy of reaching out in order to build your network. And she sort of talks about a similar approach to networking from the inside out. But, you know, she also mentions you move to a new city. How do you meet people? The best way to do that is to ask people you already know if they know anyone in the new city, right? You're trying to date or get married. The best way to do that is to ask for referrals and introductions from people who already know you and or know this other person, right? So networking is really a life skill. And to your point about, you know, being authentic and having mutual value exchanges, you want to go into it really clear about what you want to get out of these relationships long term, right? So why are you hitting up Uncle Joe? Well, it's because he runs an interior design business and those are your target buyers, right? So you have probably some value that you can add back to him and he has value he can add to you. You're not just hitting him up because he's your uncle and you saw him on vacation. You have a reason for that. Yeah. 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 Intentional. I love that word intentional networking because the why behind before you send an email, the why behind you pick up the phone, the why behind sending a text, like, okay, why am I doing this? And I've been using that actually recently because I, at the end of the year, one of my goals was to start networking more. And I was like, okay, I'm going to be intentional. So when I do reach out to these people, what is the why behind me reaching out? What is the purpose for it? And how can I help them? Like, how can I add value to their lives in a mutual way? Because that's really the beautiful thing of connecting with people. Yeah, absolutely. Developing that strategy to keep in touch with people will serve you so well in life and in business. Yeah, I love that you say in life and in business, because a lot of times we're so business mindseted that we may ask for a referral for a date or we may ask for a referral for, you know, what's a good place to shop or what's a good place to do this or that. But then when we have our own business and we start to be new business owners, we're like, oh, but if I ask them, you know, about business stuff, they're going to think I'm trying to sell to them and then it's going to feel weird. And then we get all this weird energy going on in this, these self doubts. And, and I'm going to tell you listeners, all of us have them and it's normal and it's natural But if you, again, go back to your why, why are you talking about your business? Is it to close a sale? Because if it is, that person should already want to say yes, almost. (laughs) And if you're, you know, so if it's just the first introduction, then you probably don't want to be asking for their credit card. Yeah, right. And I think a lot of people, you know, sort of cold approach their buyers directly or who they think are their buyers. But I would actually recommend asking for those warm introductions to your buyers, because, you know, if you do have someone in your network who is asking for something that you do, 
great, you should sell to them because they're in buy mode. But it's likely that, you know, you don't have a lot of people in buy mode in your network. So what you're doing is you're asking for introductions, actually. And you're being specific about why you're asking this person for an introduction and what kind of introduction you want, right? Hey, Uncle Joe, I'm coming to you because you run this amazing interior design business. And I am doing this amazing thing for interior designers, right? If you know any interior designers who want to 10x their revenue or whatever it is that you're doing, you know, would you be open to introducing me to one of them? I'd love to meet them and share what I'm doing. And then you're you're trying to get to know that person. You're trying to get to know their mindset and where they are before you're like, here's the thing. Would you like to buy it, right? You're just opening up a conversation with them. I like you how you put that opening a conversation because that's really what it is. It's that we have this common interest. Now let's talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Awesome. So networking is the big one. What would you say the next step? So you're doing your networking. We're just going along, meeting people, asking for their introductions and, you know, just cruising along. Are there other things we should be doing or we could be doing? Yes. So once you're networking, you're definitely getting leads back into your business, right? You're definitely getting introductions from that, which is resulting in prospects for your business. Then I would put in place a retention and referral strategy. One of the misses that people make in their business is focusing exclusively on awareness. You and I have talked about this a lot, Susie. So if you put all of your eggs in the awareness basket, meaning you're constantly trying to you know, coax strangers in, you're missing this huge opportunity of all these people that you've been networking with, clients that you've offered value to, right? Customers who are committed to your brand in some way, who again, know, like, and trust you, who could be your advocates in the world. So before you move on to more awareness building channels, I would make sure you have a retention and referral strategy in place. I would make sure that your client experience is top notch. So people are off boarded, not just onboarded well, so that they want to leave a review, so that they want to refer you, so that they want to speak about you in the press. And I would make sure you're making those asks after a project is done so that their experience of value in your business can be broadcast to other people. And that's how you turn that into a growth mechanism for your business so that every sale turns into more sales. This is just something I see business owners miss all the time. They're like, oh, project's done. That person's like gone. And it's like, no, that person is one of the most valuable people in your network. <laughs> Stay in touch with them. See how they're doing, right? Authentic check-ins, care about your clients. And then make small asks, you know, once a quarter. Hey, I love that, you know, this thing we did worked out great for you. I love that we had these amazing results. Do you know anyone who needs the same amazing result? I would love an introduction to them. You know, hey, I was just thinking about our project. Do you think we could pitch a podcast together and talk about the work we did together as a way to spread the word about your work, right? So you're thinking about how can we use this relationship that I've put a lot of value into that this person's gotten value out of, how can I make it a growth driver for my business? I love that. Um, so much of what you said, um, and this is something that is coming up. I think it's coming up more in the mainstream. So if you're searching for how to start a business and you're on social media and you're seeing some things, collaboration, you can collaborate with your clients. And that's what you just described is one thing that I talk about in my workbook and for people that work with me one-on-one, -on -one, we create a client experience. That is a whole section of the business plan. 
how are you taking care of your clients so that what do you want them to say about you after they experience their time with you? And that is so huge. But to carry that even further and say, okay, I've created this experience. Now, how do I tie that back into going back and checking in with them? Like, what is my follow up to that? Yeah, I don't have that in my workbook, spoiler alert. But guess what? That's gonna that need that's a big piece of it. That's that's you you make this great experience and you make this them have an emotional connection to you because that's what it is when you're working in service-based businesses. You're really working on emotion. You're solving a problem, but it's also a very high emotional one. When you do an amazing job, you want your clients to be singing your praises and like, hey, you need to work with this person. You need to work with Lex. You have to work. She does amazing. This is a result she gets, you know, and and have that um, positive feedback. But if I never hear from Lex ever again, ever, like yeah. it's just, just yeah. as, it's like, exactly. I'm done working, so, you're done working, and then it's crickets. Like, yeah. bye. Yeah. And a lot a lot of times when I talk to people about this, they'll say, well, people refer work my way anyway. And here's what I have to say to that. I worked this past year, I worked with a videographer and a photographer here in Atlanta who I loved. And Susie, if you were in town and you were like, I need a videographer or a photographer, I would absolutely recommend them to you. But you know what? I haven't recommended anyone yet because they haven't reached out to me since I worked with them. And if they had, I might go, huh, I'm sure I can think of someone to send your way, right? If, if they had reached out to me, I probably could have come up with a lead for them. But since they didn't, and it never naturally came up with anyone else, I haven't sent any leads their way. And that's just, the, that's the missed opportunity. That means that you're just sort of waiting for leads rather than driving leads from your best clients, right? Not that I was their best client. I have no idea. I'm just saying that <laughs> I would have come up with a lead for them, right? Or maybe a couple, because I loved them. I thought they were excellent at what they did, but they haven't reached out to me in months. So missed opportunities. I love that you describe it as a missed opportunity because it's being proactive as a business owner. It's being proactive because I, you were, as, as you were saying that, not that I was listening, but my brain went to a whole bunch of people that I've worked with that I have not heard a single thing from. Yeah. And it's, it's shocking. And it's like, oh, wait, but because I'm, I'm a natural connector, like networker person. So I, I do have like a little running Rolodex in my head and I'll be like, oh, I know a person that could use, I'm proactive that way, but I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I could be so much more proactive with my clients, past yeah. clients and, if, and even current clients. If you show up in my inbox and say, hey, do you know anyone who's looking for people to do blah, blah, blah? Do you know anyone who's looking for this? Mm -hmm. I'm gonna sit there and at least think about it, especially if I like you, if I've gotten value from you or your work, right? I'm gonna say, do I know anybody who can do that? And that's, it's an opportunity for you to drive more leads for your business. So those, I would plug all those holes before you move on to driving new awareness into the business. One of the things that you're introducing at that stage I should say the next stage would be an email list. So that's where I would put my next energy. So anyone you're networking with, any clients that you've booked, anyone who's referred work your way, you're inviting them onto your email list or you're putting them onto your email list. I personally think it's fine to put your, you know, your closest supporters and clients on your email list. Um, I think they expect that, but you know, there's debates about it. So if you want email people that you want to put on your email list, ask for permission and then start your email list. 
And again, that's time well spent because you're cultivating that network and you're sharing what you're doing. You're sharing updates. You're sharing the language you want others to use to describe your work. And maybe you're throwing in some offers there. You're promoting things that you're doing. You're asking for clients, right? I'm open for Q3. You know, if you've been looking to work with me, now is the time to book a discovery call. So email lists would be, you know, next on my list of things to do with your marketing strategy. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because most people are like, oh, build an email list, like right out of the gate. And for those of you, and I, I have a guest that's going to be coming on later in um, in February, and she specifically talks about CRMs, so customer relation management tools, for those of you who don't know what they are. And it's all of your people that you're networking with, people that you have a relationship with. And so the email list, I think people get confused and they're like, okay, I have a freebie. So I'm collecting all these emails. Those people don't know you. They, yes, they opted in and they gave you their email, but did you have a conversation with them? Do you have a connection with them that you, that you know, you know something about them. They know something about you. And there's that shared value like you and I talked about. And if not, then that's, I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but that's a cold lead. Yes. That's not somebody that, so when people say, oh, just build an email, I think the clarification needs to be there. Like who's, what part of your email list? Is it a cold lead email list? And then you have your warm leads and your hot leads. So you have, and for those of you listening that are just starting out, you're like, I have no clue what you're talking about. I got an email from one, from one of my past clients. She's like, I figured out what a warm lead is. So a lot of times <laughs> I think, I think we talk about these things thinking people know what they are. And we have to remember yeah. when you're starting out fresh, if you want to just really quickly identify the difference so that the listeners know, and they can like jot this down if they want, but cold, warm, and hot leads. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I don't know if I've ever, maybe I have described it as a hot lead. A cold lead is someone who you don't know has never like had a touch point. This is like their first touch point with their business or their first like known touch point with your business. Right. So a lot of people will have anonymous touch points with your business. Maybe they poked around on your website or they saw you, you know, give a talk or something like that. And you don't know them. They haven't given you any information about them. Once they've given you a piece of information and they follow you, they join an email list, maybe they book a call or something like that. Then they've become a lead, an actual lead for your business. Um, the colder range of that is people who've had the least amount of touch points with you. And the hotter range is people who've had the most amount of warming up, as we like to say, warm up your people, meaning that they've had multiple touch points with you. So maybe they got a referral from someone else. They watched a talk you gave, they listened to your podcast, they downloaded the freebie, right? They have multiple connections and awareness of your business. So they know you a lot more. So you, the goal is for people to be warmer leads. And that's why I would go to networking as an early strategy rather than to something like a freebie, which I agree is a great strategy, but freebies are targeting colder leads. And so it's a longer game to get those folks to buy something, depending on what you're selling. If you're selling something pretty cheap, you know, if you're selling something pretty cheap and you really want to invest in selling a lot, meaning frequently, I suppose you could do that with colder leads, but the, if you're selling high ticket services, I would stick with the, the warmer or the hot leads, as you call them, Susie, I would stick with <laughs> them first because they're coming in pre-sold, right? The introductions, they're coming in like mostly sold. 
on working with you. And all you have to do is make it easy for them to pay you. Yeah, yeah. I think that when people are first starting out, um, there's so much stuff out there in, in the world of the internet just to do Google searching and social media and whatever. And it's like, just get a freebie, throw it up there, get a whole bunch of email lists. And, it, and it's kind of counterintuitive of what you and I are talking about with networking because that's the opposite of networking when you're actually intentionally networking. You actually want to get to know the person and yeah. figure out more about them, share more about you, have a relationship built with them which is yes. going to help make things smoother and create that. Um, because they, once they get to know you, they, they may not be a buyer. And then when they start to get to know you and they realize, oh, you can actually help me. Then they flip and they're like, okay, I'm a buyer because I know you and now I know what you do and what you do I need help with. <laughs> so yeah, here's exactly. my credit card. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why, so when, when you are starting your email list, that's why I recommend folks start it with people who already know you. So your existing clients, your existing supporters and fans, your existing referrers, I would start there rather than starting with something like a freebie. I would definitely think about adding the freebie later, but I would start your email as a keep in touch strategy with your existing network that you've already been focused on, making sure that everyone knows what you're up to, making sure they know when you have openings, making sure that they can speak your language when it comes to your buyers, right? So that if they are making those intros, they know exactly what you're doing. I got a lead the other day from someone that I used to buy with in LA. And I was like, this is exactly like, I'm clearly, my messaging is clearly working because this person is sending the exact kind of lead that I want. And they clearly looked at my website and grabbed that language off of there, right? And so you want to make sure that that stuff's working first before you bother with the freebie crowd. Yeah, it sounds to me like, um, and I, I like to use this too, less is more. The less number on your email list, but the better quality, the better quality yes. that you have is going to move you faster and further. Yes. Yes, the freebie is good. Yes, getting people's emails is good. It's a good start, but it's going to be slow. And unless you're going to individually reach out to those people and try to make that connection and come up with a way to have a conversation because I think people that book calls obviously when they book a call with you it's going to be they're going to be moved to a little bit warmer because they had that one-on-one -on -one connection with you versus just being on an email list this yeah. is all such great information I love this conversation I could keep going but we're running out of time um any final things that you'd like to share with our listeners before you go um think I have a note here that you have is it seven steps to getting more leads yeah I have a tell us about that yeah tell us about that getting more leads so it actually breaks down a lot of the things that we talked about today and it's my recommended roadmap for people who are just getting started with marketing or just launching their business and trying to build their audience and so we start with the people that are closest to you and we work our way out um, using strategies that we talked about today, intentional networking, building a referral program, leveraging your email list um, to turn people from colder into warmer leads, to turn warm leads into hot leads, as you called them, Susie, <laughs> building partnerships with other business owners to audience share um, and how to be smart about the content that you're generating. So part of the reason that I don't 
just as an aside, recommend the freebie right away is that because of what I said earlier, you're probably wrong about your audience and your offer match. So you're going to be wrong about your freebie. And I think it's just kind of a waste of energy and spending more time having these deeper relationships with your clients and with your refers and with your fans, right? Fans of your work who maybe haven't paid you or referred work your way yet to understand like what they think your value is, how they're verbalizing it so that you can start speaking the language of your buyers. That's going to nail your freebie. And so I would introduce that a little bit farther down the road. You circled back to exactly a great summary of the first thing that you need to do is understand your audience. And you just circled back to your like, by doing the networking and having those relationships, you're going to get to know your audience, which is what you yeah. need. Yeah. So yeah, I think out of everything to take away is get to know your audience. The best way to get to know your audience is to actually talk to them, network, get introductions yeah. to them, find out who they are, what makes them tick and having Absolutely. those conversations. And I think you, you actually, that was a piece of advice you gave me when we talked one time. And I'm doing that. Like I'm actually doing that now, which is I'm going through my email list and I'm figuring out who the people are that I need to speak with about specific topics to get the information that I need. And these are people that have volunteered to, to talk with me. They, they already know that if I reach out to them, they'll be like, yeah, I'd love to have a conversation. And now it's just a matter of me making the time yeah, and going through those steps to figure out how I can connect with them. But but it's so much easier than going after somebody that you've never spoken to before and have nothing in common with for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we'd all love for our businesses to be more passive, right? For those people to just be like knocking down our door from day one. But the reality is that that's just not true for any business. I love to talk about how Gmail, our daily app Gmail launched with a referral strategy because even Google couldn't just cold launch something like that. They wanted, you know, to build it off of people's relationships. So, you know, referrals are not a small game strategy. Networking is not a small game strategy. And the broadcast stuff is going to take a while to pay off. So if you want to start with the people, you know, and get interest to the people you don't. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So many good things to take away. Thank you, Lex, for all of your insights and in this conversation. I think it's going to be a really big one. Um, yeah, I love it. So for those of you listening, I will put it in the show notes, but you do get um, a little discount from the course, the seven steps to getting more leads. Um, simplified business is the code and that will be in the show notes. So I'll have the link to that there. And I also have contact information for Lex because she is absolutely amazing. I love working with her. Um, she does great work and I would love to have you on again. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you while you're like on the podcast so that if you say yes, then you have to. <laughs> you know, I'm down Susie because you are one of my most important relationships, right? Like this, it, this relationship that you and I have is, is critical. It's critical for me as a person and it's critical for my business. And it's one of the cool opportunities that I've had shifting into the small business space is to get to work with people that I love and want to see grow. Right. That is what's exciting about running this business for me. Yeah, that's, and that's what it's all about. That's why I do the, what I do is I love to see people grow. I love to see people come up with a business idea and then see it take off and be successful. And I think that that's also just to tie things up for networking. That's what makes networking so fun. 
I know that some people may go into it and go, oh, I got to talk to like a million people. No, talk to people that you like. Just pick the ones you like. <laughs> you yeah. don't have to talk to everybody. Pick the ones that you like and and have those conversations because it is fun. It doesn't have to be horrible. Thousand percent. If it's not fun, it's worth analyzing what's going on there for sure, who you're meeting and who you're talking to. Yeah. And, and if the conversation isn't the way you want it to go, change it. We have that power. So yes. great conversation. Thank you so much for being on today. And for my listeners, keep it simple. And we will see you on the next episode. Thank you.